Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Praise God. And so we just finished back to church month in September, and uh, now we are in uh, outreach month because it's you know, we want to reach out to those people, first of all, that uh, they, they've been here and been apart, but for one reason or another, they've uh, uh, slipped away from us, and we want them back, praise God. If you're watching us online, you're one of those, we want you back, praise God. Even though it's not back to church month anymore, it still is, really, and we still want you back, praise God. And if you've been thinking about coming to Word of Life, just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and come, and uh, I, we think you'll be glad that you did. Praise God. Praise God. And so today, we are going to be talking about perhaps one of the, if I can find it here, I know it's here somewhere, um, we are going to be dealing with the subject of soul winning, and then, you know, in all reality, for believers, this is the most important subject in all of God's Word. Praise God. But it's also one of the most ignored subjects in all of God's Word. And every one of us, we ought to be desiring to be soul winners. Praise God. Maybe you struggle with that. Maybe you have a... Uh, you know, have had a hard time in sharing the gospel with people, but maybe you really want to. I hope you want to. See, because here's the thing. Aren't you glad that somebody thought soul winning was their responsibility? Hmm? You know, you're too quiet today. You know, we, um, how many of you are glad that somebody thought soul winning was their responsibility. Praise God. Praise God. You know, we all ought to develop that attitude, soul winning's my responsibility. You know, and I don't mean mine as in I'm the pastor, it's my responsibility. I mean mine as in I am a believer and it's my responsibility. You are a believer, it is your responsibility to win souls. Jesus went back to heaven and, and when he went back to heaven, the last thing he did before he went back to heaven, he met with his disciples. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Praise God. And so, uh, you know, I had a pastor tell me one time, a pastor, he was a friend of mine. And, and this pastor told me, he said, 
people don't want to hear the gospel anymore. I soundly reject that idea. I do not believe that. I believe people want to hear the gospel. I believe people want it because if you know what gospel is, gospel means good news. So if you know what gospel is, who doesn't want to hear some good news? But the problem is that many times what the church has been sharing has not been good news. Many times it's been anything but good news. You know, the wages of sin is death is not good news. It's in the Bible. It's the truth. The wages of sin is death. But it's not good news. You have to preach the rest of the verse, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now you've preached some good news. Praise God. And what people don't want to hear is your list of rules. What people don't want to hear is all the things they have to do to be accepted by God. You know what's required of you and I to be accepted by God? Believe on Jesus. If you believe on Jesus, you'll be accepted by God. I didn't say believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus would be that you believe he existed, that he walked this earth, you know. Maybe you believe that he was the son of God. But believing upon Jesus, in other words, you're putting your trust and your confidence in what he did and that it was enough for your salvation. Praise God. Believing upon Jesus. You see, it's not, our, it's not the list of rules and regulations that you must follow, but it is one thing that God is asking you to believe. Now, when you believe that, something starts to happen in you, and when you truly believe that, you know, if, if you claim to be a Christian, if you came to claim to be a believer, and change has not taken place in your life, I didn't say that you haven't arrived at, you know, where you're headed, that you haven't been perfected. But, but if there's been no change that's taken place in your life, I got a question. Did you ever really believe on Jesus? Because when you believe upon Jesus, Holy Spirit moves on the inside of you and a change starts to happen on the inside of you. Not a mental decision to change from the outside but a decision to believe upon Jesus results in a change from the inside. An inside change will be lasting change. Praise God. Praise God. You know, we all still need some change going on, myself included. We need some change. But I, I need to change but I have changed. Praise God. So I'm somewhere between where I started and where I'm going to end up. Praise God. But I'm moving in the right direction. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. When you have believed upon Jesus, an immediate change takes place on the inside. Now, Jason and I were talking about this the other day. 
And, and we were talking about some things that we had seen in some people's lives. And, you know, and as, as pastors, we watch you. We watch you. Not to find fault with you. We watch you to be able to help you better. Praise God. We, we watch what's going on in your life. And here's something that we noticed. We noticed some things that were changing in some people's lives that are, you know, when, when a person comes to the Lord, when a person first accepts Jesus as their Savior, there's a list, yay long, of things that need to change. And immediately, Christ in you, immediately, Holy Spirit in you, begins to work on that list. But sometimes we, we would like to sit down and take that list and put it in order of priority. Well, well, this one needs to change and this needs to change and this. And sometimes his order is not the same as ours. I've, you know, I shared this uh, just, just recently on social media. But, uh, you know, I thought it was so interesting. I had a friend many years ago that he was a, he was a drug addict and, uh, uh, you know, his, his mama was a, was a church-going Christian lady. And uh, so he got saved. He, someone shared the gospel with him and he got saved. The very first thing that he did, it was a Saturday night when he got saved. Sunday morning, he gave his tithes to his mama to take to church. Now, he didn't go to church for months after that. See, we would have thought the first thing he ought to do is go to church. Right? I mean, you know, in our logical, natural way of thinking, we would think that, well, the first thing he ought, if you're, if you're saved, you ought to go to church. That's just what we think ought to happen. But he got a revelation. The very first revelation he got was the ought to tithe. Now, that's kind of unusual. Not many people get that first, but that's what he got first. So he gave his tithes to, and every week he would give his tithes to his mother to take to church. Several months later, he finally got a revelation that he ought to go to church. You know, I heard another testimony of a lady that uh, um, this this lady was, she was actually an evangelist, but she was telling about when she first got saved. She was a uh, uh, cocktail waitress in Las Vegas. And uh, she her, her life was a, was a wreck, was a total mess, and she lived in an upstairs apartment. And uh, so she went downstairs one day to borrow a cup of sugar from lady that lived downstairs. And uh, she didn't even know the lady. Uh, but she just, you know, she needed a cup of sugar, so she went down and knocked on the lady's door, and, and uh, the lady came to the door, and, and uh, she asked for a cup of sugar, and, and the lady gave her a cup of sugar, and, uh, and then the lady said to her, I don't know what's going on in your life, but if you'll let him, Jesus will help you. If you'll ask him to, Jesus will help you. And that's all the lady said to her. And she went back upstairs to her apartment, thanked her for the sugar, went back upstairs. And when she got upstairs, she got thinking about what the lady had said. 
you know, if you'll ask Jesus, he'll help you. And uh, uh, so she said, uh, Jesus, I don't really know who you are, but my neighbor downstairs said if I would ask you, you would help me. So I'm asking you to help me. And she said such a peace came over her. She knew something had happened. And so she did the only religious thing she knew to do. She went and got some candles, lit them, went in the bathroom, baptized herself in the bathtub. You know, we're talking about a lady, she didn't know anything. She, this was something she had seen in a, in a movie that someone got baptized and they had candles lit. So she lit some candles and baptized herself in the bathtub. She, start, she went back to work as a cocktail waitress and started leading people to Jesus with that little bit that she knew. She starts leading people to Jesus in the nightclub. And people start, she's leading people to Jesus all the, in, in the nightclub. She doesn't know that she ought to go to church. She has no idea she ought to go to church. Then finally one day she saw a church and it made her think, you know, maybe I ought to go to church. So she went to church. You see, sometimes the list that God puts the, is his priority list of what to change in our lives, sometimes it's not the same order that what we think it ought to be. You know, and the, the thing is, it's always somebody else's list we're trying to put in order. It, you know, it's usually not our list, it's somebody else's list. We're trying to put it all in order, but you know, I, the thought occurred to me this morning that sometimes we make the main point, or, or we make a lesser point the main point. We make the wrong point the point. And by doing so, we miss the point. Let me say that, that'll, that'll help you remember this. If you make the wrong point the point, you'll miss the point. Praise God. Because there is, a, there, is a, uh, there is a main point of what God wants to do in our lives, praise God. In uh, you know, Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 30, it says this, the fruit of the righteous, notice what he said, he calls it the fruit of the righteous. The fruit of the righteous. You don't try, you, you know, a tree does not try to produce fruit. A tree just produces fruit because it's a tree, because it's a fruit tree. You know, an apple tree produces apples because it's an apple tree. It is a natural thing for an apple tree to produce apples. And the tree doesn't struggle, doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't try to produce apples. You've never walked by uh, an, an apple tree and heard it groaning trying to produce apples. You know, if it's shaking around, it's the wind that's shaking it around. It's not the tree that's trying to, I'm trying to produce apples. No, it just produces apples because it's an apple tree. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. A tree of life is like a tree of 
apples, a tree of life produces what? Come on, this is an easy question. Uh, a tree of life, let me, let me rephrase that like we would say it in, in today's English version. A life tree produces life. An apple tree produces apples. A banana tree produces bananas. A life tree produces life. Now, what the, he calls this the fruit of the tree. The fruit of the tree is life. It naturally produces fruit. It naturally produces life. Now, how does it produce life? He goes on and tells us, and he who, now this, this is a particular type of, of proverb where he says the same thing in two different ways. And it helps us to understand it. So notice he says that the first, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Now he says it in another way. And the, he who wins souls is wise. So he's saying two, two different ways. A life tree produces life, and he who wins souls is wise. Praise God. Now remember, he doesn't, it, he's, he's not saying it is a wise thing to win souls, which it is, but here's the thing I want you to get. The reason he wins souls as opposed to losing souls or not winning souls is because he is wise. He's wise in how he goes about it. You know, you can take two teams, two football teams that meet in the national championship, and you could say that the better team wins football games, right? I mean, that, that's a typical way of thinking. I know that, yes, it could go on any given day, it could go the other way. I understand that, but... But I'm just saying that we would say the better playing team wins football games. And in the same way, we can see the one who is wise wins souls. Now, the lesser football team loses football games. And the one who is not wise does not win souls. Both football teams are playing football. One wins and one loses. Christians, many times they get an idea that they, you know, they get the revelation that they need to win souls. But here's what we have done. We have been unwise at how we have gone about trying to win souls. And therefore, we were working real hard at it sometimes. Now, some people just don't do anything at all. They don't even come to the game. Uh, you're not going to win if you don't go to the game. All right? But, but if you go to the game, both teams are playing. We got, we got two kinds of Christians 
two kinds of people that are attempting to win souls. Some win and some don't. What's the difference in how wise they are about how they go about trying to win souls? You know, if you're going out into the streets and you're attempting to win souls by telling everybody how much God hates them, how many souls do you think you're going to win? None. But if you go out and you tell somebody God is madly in love with you, you stand a much better chance. You won't win all of them, but you will win some if you keep doing that. You keep telling them you're going to win some souls. Praise God. But if you don't come to the game, you're not going to win. Okay, so first of all, we got to get a revelation that we are supposed to be soul winners. We are equipped to be soul winners. God has given us everything we need to be soul winners. So that's the first revelation we got to get. And then the second revelation we got to get is how to be wise in our attempts to win souls. Praise God. You know, you got to preach the good news, not just some news. You got to preach good news. Praise God. Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news. Hallelujah. You know, you can tell me that the wages of sin is death, but you haven't told me how I can avoid that. You know, if I don't know how to avoid it, what am I going to do? I, I can just, I can be mad at God because of that. He's too demanding. But if you tell me that something has already been done about it, now there's some good news. That's something I can get a hold of. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but God did something about it. Praise God. The, uh, the issue has already been addressed. God has already dealt with that. God was unwilling that you pay the wages of sin. Now, the wages of sin had to be paid, but God was not willing that you pay them. That's why he sent his son into the world. He paid them. Praise God. Praise God. So let's be wise about how we go about soul winning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, he says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. Praise God. Now, John chapter 16 Verses 8 through 11, we find an interesting passage here that has been so, so misread by, by so many people over so many years. And talks about when Holy Spirit has come. Now, let me just say, first of all, it is not your job to convince anyone. It's your job to tell everyone. Praise God. Not your job to convince anyone, it's your job to tell everyone. 
Praise God. Now, here's the thing. John 16, verse number 8 through 11, this uses the word convict, but the word convict can also be translated as convince. So where I see convict, I'm going to put the word convince in there because convince would be more the word that we would use in our culture, in our language. We would use convince instead of convict. So, you know, Christians like this word convict because convict to a, to a churchy person, the word convict sounds like, you know, God is going to tell you what you have done wrong, and he's going to tell you that in such a way that you can't deny it. He's going to convict you of your sins. And that's what we always associate convict with is convicting of sin. And convicting means that you feel really bad about your sin. Okay? And that's why churchy people like to use it. Because it makes non-churchy people feel really bad. And I don't know why they think they need to make them feel bad. But, uh, but anyway, let, let's read it the way it really, let's get the heart of this thing. What is he saying? The word's the same. But let, let's get the heart of it. Let's use the word convince instead of convict. Okay? And when he, talking about Holy Spirit, has come... He, Holy Spirit, will convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Then he he explains. Verse 9 is the explanation. Of sin, why is he convincing the world of sin? Because they do not believe. All right? So, if he's convincing the world of sin because they do not believe, is he talking about the Holy Spirit convincing you of sin? Who's he convincing of sin? Come on, it's all right for somebody to answer me. Who's he convincing of sin? People who don't believe, right? People who don't believe, that's, uh, they don't believe in Jesus. Or on, Jesus is the one talking here. So he's saying, because they do not believe in me, or they don't believe upon Jesus. They have not believed upon Jesus. Have you believed upon Jesus? How many of you, you have believed upon Jesus? Come on. You ought to be glad to raise your hand if you have believed upon Jesus. All right. If you have believed upon Jesus, then he's not talking to you, right? He says he would convince the world of sin because they do not believe upon me. And then he goes on and he says, of righteousness. So who's he talking about now? He's talking about righteous people, believers. Because unbelievers, the ones who haven't believed upon Jesus, they're not righteous. 
So he couldn't be talking about convincing them of righteousness. Because they're not righteous. So he's convincing sinners, unbelievers of sin because they don't believe. And he's convincing righteous people, which is you. He's convincing you that you're righteous. You ever woke up one day and didn't feel righteous? Maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you did something you shouldn't have done. Said something you shouldn't have said. Had bad thoughts about something. Maybe you just you just messed up one day and you went off the deep end one day. Nobody's ever done that, I know. You know. But there are some people who have. They're not here today, you know, but I, I know none of you have ever gone off the deep end. But uh, let's just imagine that maybe you did one day. You went off the deep end and you just totally blew it. You, you went on a mad raven cussing fit because somebody did something you didn't like. And you just you blew it and went just totally off the deep end. And you didn't sleep that night because that was bothering you, what you did. And you got up the next morning, and you did not feel righteous. Is the Holy Spirit convincing you of sin? You convinced yourself. You didn't even need Holy Spirit for that one. You knew that what you did was sin. You knew it was wrong. You didn't need Holy Spirit to convince you of that. What you needed Holy Spirit for was to convince you that even though you blew it yesterday and went off the deep end yesterday, you are still righteous. Now that takes some convincing. Only Holy Spirit can convince you that you are still righteous when you blow it. We've all done it. You know, and he's saying, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So he's convincing you that you're righteous, even though you blew it yesterday and, and, and you know, you just messed everything up yesterday, you're still righteous. Aren't you glad that Father God doesn't kick you out of the family because you mess up? How many of you kick your kids out of the family Every time they give you a little lip. Every, every, every time they, they mess up, say something they shouldn't say, you know, well, you're not my kid anymore. <laughs> Kicking you out of the family. You don't do that. And God doesn't do that. Praise God. He says, you're righteous. He says, Why does he do that? Why does he tell you you're righteous when you haven't been acting righteous? Why does he do that? See, because 
If you've been acting righteous, he wouldn't need to convince you. Just like when you sinned, he didn't need to convince you that you sinned. When you're acting righteous, he doesn't need to convince you that you're righteous. Sometimes when we've been acting righteous, we think we're more righteous than we, you know. We, we think our righteousness is all about us. I've been doing this and I've been doing, you know, surely, you know, God's taking note of what I've been doing. You know, when you sin, you don't need his help to convince you that you sin. And when you're doing right, he, you don't need his help to convince you that you did right. You know it. What you need his help with is to convince you of just the opposite. If you've been acting wrong, you need him to convince you you're righteous. Why does he do that? Why would he convince you you're righteous when you haven't been acting righteous? Because what you believe you are is what you'll act like. If you believe you're righteous, if he can convince you you're righteous, you'll straighten up and do good. If he were to convince you that you were a mess, that you were a total wreck, you'd just keep on sinning. I promise. That's why a whole lot of people, that's why a whole lot of, you know, some people that are hearing me today, nobody in this room, but, you know, some people who are hearing me today, you know, You've been a total mess, and you believe you're a total mess. That's why you keep messing up. If he can convince you that you're righteous, you'll straighten that whole mess up. Praise God. And it won't even be hard for you because it'll come from the inside. That's not, you know, talking like that, that that raven cussing fit that that's not how righteousness acts that, that wasn't righteous behavior i'm righteous so because i'm righteous then my behavior will be righteous so see your own thought process when he convinces you that you're righteous your own thought process will cause you to start acting like what you believe you are Praise God. Praise God. And I could get up here and I could preach to you every day and point out your faults and tell you everything you've done wrong. And all I would be doing was giving power to sin. Praise God. But here's the thing. He said he would convince you of righteousness because I go to the Father. Now, what does going to the Father have to do with it? Because Jesus finished paying for your sins. He paid the penalty for all your sins. And because he had finished the work, he now goes back to the Father. He can't go back to the Father. The Bible says he became sin for you who knew no sin. So if he became sin for you, if he is still sin, 
He can't go back to the Father. He can't go back to the Father unless your sin has been fully dealt with, fully eradicated. He can't go back to the Father. He cannot walk into the Holy of Holies in heaven if he still sinned. Anybody see that? Yeah, he can't walk into the very presence of Father God if he is still sin. So that means that your sin that he became has to have been fully dealt with and eradicated. So now, if he can convince you that he has gone back to the Father because your sin has been fully dealt with, isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Once you get a hold of that, once you begin to see that, Jesus went back to the Father because he finished dealing with your sin. Praise God. And now he sent Holy Spirit to convince you that you are righteous. When you become, if you're still, I'm not saying if you still make mistakes, but I'm saying if you're still living in sin, you haven't become fully convinced. This is why I preach this so hard, because I want to convince you that you're righteous. Because once you become fully convinced, you'll quit living in sin. That's just the way it is. Praise God. You'll live like who you believe you are. Hallelujah. Now, let's get this. Righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And then he says the last part of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. If you ask most Christians who is the ruler of this world, most Christians who have any kind of Bible knowledge would say the devil. And the reason they would say the devil is because the Apostle Paul called the devil the ruler of the darkness of this age. So they would say, okay, he's the ruler of the darkness of this age, so he's the ruler of this world. And, you know, and they would, they would quote the fact that Adam sold out to the devil and gave the dominion in the earth to the devil, which is true, which he did. But that's not who he's talking about right here. He says the ruler of this world is judged. Who was the original ruler of this world? You were. Adam was. Because you were in Adam, that, that means, you know, that's why I can say you are. You were the original ruler of this world. Because when God created man in his image and likeness, he gave him dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over all the earth, over everything that creeps upon the earth. He gave him dominion. That means rulership, lordship, authority over the earth. He gave it to man. He gave it to you. Praise God. And so Adam had to be judged for sin. He had to be judged for the fall. Not the devil. 
The devil just does what the devil does. You know. But Adam, the ruler of this world, he had to be judged for what he did. So, here's the thing. Adam, being the representative of the human race, he said the human race had to be judged for what Adam did. Now, Jesus, 79 times in Scripture, I believe it's 79, I believe that's the correct number, refers to himself as the Son of Man. You say, well, he's the Son of God. You can count on one hand how many times he called himself the Son of God. 79 times he's referred to as the Son of Man or refers to himself as the Son of Man. Why? Because he came here to be you. He didn't come here to walk on this earth as the Son of God. He was and is and always will be. But he came here to walk on this earth as the Son of Man. Because if he did what he did as God, it means nothing. Because it was the Son of Man that had to be judged. It wasn't a son of God that needed to be judged. It was a son of man that needed to be judged, had to be judged. So he came here as the son of man, and he said, If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all, and the Bible says men, but the word men is inaccurate. It doesn't belong there. It's italicized in your Bible. That tells you that a Bible translator put that word man in there. He says, I will draw all to me. So to find out what all is, you have to look back at the context. And he is talking about judgment. And so, therefore, he is saying, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all judgment to myself. And here he says this. He says, of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, why am I preaching this this morning? I'm preaching this so that you know how to share the good news. Praise God. We're talking about soul winning today. Doesn't sound like it, but we really are. You got to know what the good news is, or you can't share the good news. And if you don't share the good news, you're not being wise in how you're attempting to win souls. And if you're not wise at how you attempt to win souls, you're not going to win souls. You're going to fail to win souls. So you've got to be able to tell them the good news. You've got to be able to tell the guy out on the street, your sin has been paid for. Sin has already been judged on the person of Jesus. There's only one part left for you to do, and that's to believe what I'm telling you. You believe it and receive it. You receive anything by believing. You receive the remission of sins. Even though your sins have already been dealt with, you receive the remission of sin by believing that it's been dealt with. Praise God. Praise God. I'm telling you something that will revolutionize your life, but it will also revolutionize how you share the gospel with other people. 
Praise God. So, I mean, you know, maybe you need it today. Maybe you need to understand this today. But maybe you just need to understand it so you can explain it to somebody else. So you can speak it with confidence. Your sin has been judged. Praise God. So therefore, you're not waiting for judgment. Praise God. Aren't you glad? Isn't that good news? See, you don't have to go through the judgment if you accept the fact that Jesus was judged in your place. Whatever Jesus went through for you, you don't have to go through. He bore your sickness, your disease, and your pain. Therefore, you don't have to bear your sickness, disease, and pain. He bore your sins. Therefore, you don't have to bear your sins. He was judged for your sins. Therefore, you don't have to be judged for your sins. Now, if you refuse the one who was judged in your place, then it falls back to you. Okay? We, do we get that? That's, that's why you have to believe upon the Lord Jesus. It's not because God's on some kind of an ego trip. No, he's not. But he sent a substitute. But if you refuse the substitute, then it falls back on you. It's just that simple. You have to accept the substitute. Praise God. Praise God. And so, he said that he would come and he would convince sinners of sin because they don't believe. The person who, this is why John wrote this, he said, if you say you have no sin, you lie and the truth is not in you. But if you confess your sin, he's not talking about you sit down and you confess. And I don't even know anybody that's capable of that. Is anybody in this room, are you really capable of confessing all your sins? Each one of them individually? You, I mean, no, I don't know anyone that's even capable of confessing all of their sins. He's saying if you acknowledge that you have sinned, that's what he's saying. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's talking about those that he convinced of sin. If, you can, if, if the person, he becomes convinced of his sin, and then he acknowledges that he has sinned, he is saying, I need a Savior. Praise God. The person who says he has no sin, John said he lies and the truth is not in him. The person who says he has no sin is, is quite simply saying this, I don't need a Savior. What can you do for that guy? The Savior has come, but I, I don't need a Savior. It's not, there, there's not a thing you can do for that guy. There's not a thing God can do for that guy. He refused to acknowledge that he needs a Savior. 
But if you confess your sin, if you acknowledge that you need a Savior, He is faithful and He is just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, which means you become righteous, right? So now Holy Spirit's job has changed on your behalf. He's now convincing you that you are righteous. Hallelujah. And of judgment, it's convincing you of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. When you make that mistake, when you fail, even though you have been made righteous, you still fail sometimes, right? Anybody willing to acknowledge that today? That, that you still fail sometimes? Okay. When you fail... You're not begging him to forgive you. You're thanking them that he, that him that he has forgiven you. Praise God. When I fail, I come to the Father. And, oh, please forgive me. No. I come to the Father and I say, I thank you that you forgave me in Christ. I thank you that the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed on my behalf that the ruler of this world, man, I, was already judged in the body of Jesus. Praise God. I thank you, Father, that I don't have to face judgment again for what I just got through doing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you learn that, you can begin to live in the freedom that you were intended to live in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ought to listen to this sermon. You ought to get the, if you don't have it already, get the Word of Life app and listen to this sermon over and over and over and over again. Holy Spirit will use it to convince you. Praise God. Praise God. Because what I'm preaching to you today is a truth that not many preachers would dare preach to you. Because they think if they preach like I did today that you'll go sin. No. I am convinced that preaching to you like I am today empowers you to overcome sin. Praise God. I'm not just telling you to quit sinning. I'm telling you, you have the power to overcome it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, maybe you've heard me today. You've been convinced of sin because you haven't believed. Bible says that repentance and remission of sins must be preached. Repentance means you change your mind. What have you been believing? You've been believing that you're a sinner. You've been believing that you're a mess. You've been believing that you're a failure. You've been believing that God hates you because of what you've done. You've been believing. He says, repentance, you've got to change your mind. You've got to stop believing what you've been believing. Praise God. And you've got to begin to believe that Jesus paid for your sins. 
Not that you haven't sinned. Don't, don't believe that. That's not even the truth. Don't believe that. But stop believing that you are a mess and you've got to pay for your own mess. Start believing that somebody else paid for your mess. Praise God. So you repent about, you change your mind about what you've been believing. And you begin to believe something different. You begin to believe that Jesus, God, the Son of God, came to this earth, became the Son of Man, lived on this earth, cross, was nailed to the cross to pay for your sins. He finished paying for your sins. And now he has risen back to the right hand of the Father on high. Hallelujah. And there he sits making intercession for you, praying for you. Praise God. Because he loves you and he is not willing that you should perish, but that you should come to change your mind about him. Change your mind about God. Praise God. So if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right now, I'm telling you that today you have heard, I'm not saying I'm the best preacher around, but I'm, I'm telling you, you have heard enough gospel to save the whole world. Praise God. And if you believe what I've been telling you today, I want you to pray this with me. Whether you, I don't care how many times you've uh, confessed Jesus as your Lord, you can never confess His Lordship too many times. Praise God. And so it's okay, even if you're already saved, to, to pray this prayer. But if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have never accepted what he did for you I'm going to lead you in prayer right now I want you to pray this with me and when we say amen you will be saved praise God let's say this together whether you're watching online or in this room say God in heaven I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to this earth that he went to a cross and died there to be to pay for my sin and he rose again from the dead because he had finished paying. And he said that if I would believe upon him, I would not perish, but have everlasting life. Today, I choose to put my trust in Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead and I choose you as my Lord. Come into my life. Begin to do your work in me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Here we go. Amen. Praise God. Welcome to the family of God. 
Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love with you.